I got the call that everybody dreads. And one day I heard, Kelsey, we no longer have a job for you. Your entire team is being restructured. So as of today, you're, you're done. You no longer have a job. Welcome to the Picture of Wealth, or TPOW as we call it. I am your host, Dustin Service. I'm excited to have Kelsey Bridal on the show today. Kelsey, thank you for uh, joining us from out east in uh, Paris, Ontario, the uh, fancy town of Paris. So welcome to the show and uh, let's uh, let's get after it. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to be on the other side of the mic because usually I'm the one hosting. So I just feel really at ease that I don't have to do the question asking today and <laughs> cannot wait to have a conversation with you. Well, uh, yeah, you're putting me back on the hot seat. So we are going to be talking online marketing, uh, branding, but more important, I think the thing that shone out to me and, and why you know I reached out uh, was sort of this vision, this visionary coaching and the podcast that you have, uh, Visionary Life, I think is super important for wealth and for listener who is thinking, where do I want to go? Where yeah. do I want to go in life? And we're talking on, you know, about it with people about finances and, and goals where they want to go, but it really starts with a you know state of mind and what you attract and sort of you know get sort of woo-woo into the universe, what you attract into your ethos. So help us unpack and help listener get a sense of what you mean by visionary life and wh- where does where do you want to take this? I'll give you the open floor to go with it. Okay. Well this might surprise you a little bit, but this actually goes back to a hike that I did about eight years ago. My husband and I were doing a multi-day trek in Peru going to Machu Picchu. And on that trek, a lot of us would pop in our earphones and we would just be hiking along because they were really long days to get there. And I decided to pop in the new Justin Bieber album. So at the time, eight years ago, he dropped his album called Children, I think it was called. Anyways, he has a song on that album, and this was just as the sun was setting. We were coming into the end of our second day, so everybody was tired. I had my earphones in. I was just grinding it out on the final staircase. We were going to get to base camp and settle in for the night, and the song comes on called Children, and Justin Bieber is singing along, doing his thing, and I'm kind of listening and loving this new song that I've never heard before, and he says the word visionary in the song. And I don't know what it was, but I literally like stopped. I pulled out my iPhone from my backpack and I wrote that word down and I was like, oh my God, I love that. And so anyways, for the remainder of that trip, I couldn't get that song out of my head. And I kept coming back to this note that I wrote in my iPhone and the only word it said was visionary. So anyways, fast forward a little bit. I get back. I'm working in experiential marketing at the time for one of Canada's top health food companies. And I got the call that everybody dreads. And one day I heard, Kelsey, we no longer have a job for you. Your entire team is being restructured. So as of today, you're you're done. You no longer have a job. And this was my dream job. Like I was a walking, talking advertisement for this brand. I drove all around Ontario, visiting every grocery store, giving out samples to everybody I knew. So it was my identity. So in a moment, that was stripped away. But I came back to that note and I had written down the word visionary. And I always felt like I was very creative, entrepreneurial. I had a food blog growing up. I had started my Instagram account at the time and I was just sharing healthy lifestyle stuff and, you know, fun musings from my day. And I thought, 
you know what? As I look around me, a lot of my friends are very unhappy in their life, their job, their relationship. And I just feel like they all need to like dream a little bigger and start to imagine their life beyond what it is today. At the time, I was in my young 20s and I just kept thinking like, we are too young to be feeling stagnant or trapped or stuck. And just as I was navigating this new career change, I thought, screw it, I'm going to launch a Facebook group and I'm going to pull together a bunch of people who want more for their life, who are willing to embrace change, who see every, you know, challenge as an opportunity. And so I started a Facebook group. It was called Visionary Community. And I started inviting my friends and I shared content once a day. I would share quotes. I would share mindset things that I was learning. I would share awesome podcast episodes or books. And eventually this community grew to hundreds and hundreds of people. And from that, I launched the Visionary Life podcast where I interviewed a lot of the people in my community. And we really talked about how to live beyond your wildest dreams, how to chase the career of your dreams or build the business of your dreams, how to find relationships that served you, how to take care of your health to a really high degree. And I started to define what the word visionary meant for me. And, you know, I could share many milestones along this journey, but I think what I want to come back to is that this started very organically. And yes, today it is a community. We have business courses. I work with a lot of private clients and use my skills as a marketing manager to support small businesses. But it all stemmed from hearing a word in a Justin Bieber song. And I really built a a personal and professional brand out of it. Take us back to let's uh, back up to Machu Picchu for a second. What what was the scope of that hike? What what, what was the was there preparation? Was there like what was the hike? It's it's uh, just through the jungle, or is it a specific hike? Yeah, so you fly into this really small mountain town called Cusco, and that's where all these multi day treks begin. And my husband and I, we didn't book one in advance because we wanted to find the most grassroots trek. So a lot of these companies that are from America, they have these very glamorous treks. So they carry tents up for you. They carry washrooms on their back. Like they make you like really posh food. And we were kind of like, no, we want to do like the gritty version and feel what it's like for like, say, a local wanted to do this, like a true native of Peru, what would the experience be for them? So anyways, we found a porter or a guide. And basically, like, for four days, you are carrying all of your things on your back. So that means your tent, your clothing, we did have porters that carried all our food. Um, And you're hiking up all day. So you start at a certain elevation. Every day, you spend about eight hours hiking, and you obviously stop for breaks. And this is the journey of the Inca Trail, which um, the original Inca people, the trail that they walked, I guess, to discover Machu Picchu. And so we followed that trail and it took about four days to get there. And then on the fourth day, you get up really, really early at 2 a.m. and you start hiking and you arrive at Machu Picchu, which is an absolute wonder of the world. And you see it as the sun rises. So it's really just truly incredible. And then you get to tour around. And then you basically go back to Cusco and sleep for like two days straight because you're so exhausted. Four days back? 
What's that? You got to walk back or do they bus you no, back? Or do you? They bus you and train back. So luckily we didn't have to reverse it. There are a lot of luxury ways to do it. So yeah, we did the trek on the way there and then we just took it easy and took the easy route home. How important are the porters? So important. Like they are truly legendary because not only are they carrying like everybody else's shit on their back, but they're also carrying the heavy stuff. And they are walking ahead of you so that by the time you arrive to base camp, they've got everything set up for you. They have dinner made. They also do it in bare feet a lot of the time. And here we are buying these expensive hiking boots. We have all these luxuries and like these porters, they just do this day after day after day. And there are people like who are wheezing and so out of shape that are like, I can't even do one day of this. So it's really cool to see how they handle it. What what did you learn from them uh, that you still have, you know today? Like, is there any one thing you can think of that you know you just observed them on the trail that was just sort of like, like you mentioned, legendary? That was a step above, or that made the experience better? Yeah, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that they were so present. Like, none of them brought cell phones, iPods, earbuds. No, they didn't even bring books. Like. They were just hiking the same way we were, but we were distracted and were like talking and had all these, you know, technology pieces around us. They were just there and they would do the hike and they would arrive at base camp and they would just sit and smile and chat. And like it wasn't about like removing yourself from what was right in front of you. So it's just a sense of presence and they have such a deep respect for the mountains. Like they have many stories to share about how they basically you know, like worship these mountains. And I think we can so often forget in this day and age how powerful nature is. So I really admire their connection to their surroundings. When you came back, was that what led you to the food brands? Yeah. So I was already working in food at the time. I was working for Vega in the marketing department. Um, And previous to that, I had worked for another health food company, And that was really my career in the traditional marketing space. Um, And then when I came back is when I got the call, lost my job and ended up, in addition to building the visionary community, I decided to go freelance. So I took on clients and I did a lot of marketing support for them, digital marketing, social media, website growth, um, and worked for multiple companies simultaneously. And has that been rewarding? Like that, you know, is there specific things about the business and being on your own and being independent that has, you know, been very rewarding in that journey? Yeah, I I mean, I don't know if your listeners resonate with this, but I always felt like I wanted to do things my way. I didn't like being told what to do, when to work, where to work, how to show up, even though I was willing to do it and I would work my ass off. I kind of always had this rebellious spirit that was like, I could do this better if I was on my own. And so the decision to go freelance, well, number one, I needed money. So I was like, what am I going to do for a job? Am I going to apply for a full-time job or do I want to try my hand that, and this was just when social media was starting to take off eight years ago. So I was like, all these companies, like they don't even have a social media manager. What if I helped them to build their Facebook, build their Instagram, run ads for them? So I worked for about four different brands um, all at once. And I thought it was the most rewarding because I could work on my own time. I could, you know, get up, go to the gym, 
respond to client emails, take a midday break, come back, work into the evening. And I just felt like there was always stimulation. And I was the expert now because they were paying me as a consultant. So for me, even though I don't freelance anymore because it's a bit of a grind, but I thought that was an incredible transitionary career uh, before starting my business. So uh, pivot just because my brain goes here that I, I immediately and listener, if you listen to podcasts and you see influencers on your social media, I can just use Instagram for you. You see someone and say they have, you know, 10 or 20,000 followers. And again, I'm a big snowmobiler. So I, I, you know, that's a community that I'm, I'm paying attention to. And you see these, these big followerships. It, and as someone who is an influencer and helps people build brands, if you have lots of followers, does it instantly automatically mean you make a lot of money or is there some sort of gap there that I'm missing that, you know, says, you know, people can still be successful without having lots of followership? Oh, that is such a good question. I have so much to say on this and I talk about this often. I think it is very possible to grow an extremely successful, profitable business without social media. So I want people to know that first and foremost. Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, Twitter, Snapchat, they are not for everybody. And that is okay. So if you are finding clients in ways that include going to community groups or growing an email list or using search engine traffic, and that's working for you, just double down on that and get off Instagram. Like if it's not working, it's not working. But some of us, we love the connection that's available on social media. So we post every single day. We watch our followers go higher and higher and higher. And then sometimes we check in and we're like, wait, is this actually providing a return on investment in my business? And sometimes the answer is a big fat no. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, like I meet all my new connections, all my clients through Instagram. And so just because somebody has a really high following doesn't mean that they're leveraging it or using it to their success of their business. And I found this out when I was working for a bunch of brands as their social media coordinator. We would always get a lot of pitches of, hey, I want to work with you. I have 10,000 followers. Or, hey, look at my profile. I have 50,000 followers. And I had a few tools in my tool belt to actually see whether, number one, they had bought followers or not. And number two, whether they actually had an engaged following. And 90% of the people who pitched us, their Instagram followers, it was crickets. None of the people who followed them actually engaged or commented. You could tell by sifting through the people who followed them that a lot of them were bots or, you know, people who were irrelevant to the product that I was trying to sell. So I think there is absolutely no guaranteed correlation between more followers um, and making sales in your business. But there are so many strategies if you actually want to grow a true community and if you want to sell to your followers, you can do that. You just have to understand that this is a, a game of relationships. It is not just post content and then disappear. Oh, you just totally took the wind out of my sails because I thought <laughs> we just could automatic stuff on later and, you know, people would engage. And, you know, I, I would, you know, be, be uh, open and vulnerable for a second, say that we, we haven't been very good at the engagement. We, you, we do sort of that advertising, put a post up, 
it isn't about like, you know, this is life insurance. It's more just like about life, but there is the engagement has been slowing down. And so this is something that we at Service Wealth look at all the time and go like, well, could I pay $400 a month or could I take one client out for dinner with their best friend? Yeah. And which, which would be better? But the scale is hard to, the scalability of online is hard to sort of turn it just, oh, we just got to leave that. It's hard to do that. So is there certain industries? So for listener who has XYZ business and other listener that has, you know, ABC business, is there certain industries what you find social media and online easier or more natural to grow than another business? Definitely. I feel like with social media nowadays, people are looking for more human connection. So even as you scroll your own followers or scroll the people you follow, rather, you'll probably notice that you follow more humans than product-based businesses. And that's because when I open my Instagram app and I just have 10 minutes, I want to numb out. I've had a long day. I want to see like what my friends and family are up to. I want to see aspirational things. So I probably want to see you and that beautiful landscape that you have in front of you. I want to see this beautiful home you've moved into. Kind of those behind the scene things that make me feel like I'm getting to know you and building some points of commonality with you. If you're just posting facts about, you know, life services and insurance and all that stuff, I don't want any of that. I don't want to be inundated with advertisements. Advertisements don't work on Instagram. So the brands and the industries that do really well are generally ones that are building relationships with clients. But that to you, to your business, it wouldn't be about posting about your services. It's more so about bringing a face to the product you offer and bringing your services to life by showcasing some of the behind the scenes, some of the day in the life. What are you up to when you don't work? Because if I'm watching your Instagram content and I see that there's like a a point of commonality, like, oh, you love mountains. I love mountains. You're active. I am active. When I'm ready to buy life insurance, you're going to come to my mind. I'm not going to go with that 80-year-old person who I have nothing in common with because I am a young consumer. I am looking for businesses to invest in that I feel like have a vibe, an energy. I'm smart with my dollars. I don't just want to give them to any old person or any old service. And so I don't think this is talked about very much, but there is so much to be said about showcasing the behind the scenes of your business and using that as your content, which is more of a soft sell but it's what people want when they're on a platform like Instagram. So good. Uh, Kelsey Rydell, which you can find her at KelseyRydell.com. And uh, you can find her on all the social channels. So Kelsey, thanks. Uh, thanks for that tidbit. I do want uh, I do want to hear more about the marketing and branding because this is something that, that every business owner and listener, if you're someone that says, I need to get better at my social content, I just don't have fucking time. I just don't have, I'm just not good at it. And so keep riffing on where you were going with, you know, if you're going to let someone in the door of, you know, a person's world and you see some of the new content marketing, which is even just selfie videos, it's not high production, but it takes time and it takes energy. So is there any tools and tricks that you have that helps, you know, already busy, already busy business owner listener? 
get a, just a little bit better at their social engagement? It's a really good question because the last thing I want for any busy business owner is to feel like it's taking hours just to put up one piece of content because you're right, we don't have time for that. And it's not necessarily a good spend of time either, unless you know for certain that you get a lot of clients every time you put up a piece of content. So there are a lot of methods for reducing the time, but I would say the best possible thing you can do is actually just to block off a 10-minute chunk in your day. And your responsibility is to show up and teach a tip or educate about what you do or share some piece of value based on what has happened in your life in the last 24 hours. For example, if my time is blocked up, so maybe right after this podcast is my 10-minute content creation chunk. I am going to stay accountable to that because this is a strategic operational choice for my business. And if I don't do it, I might go out of business. So I always show up for that 10-minute chunk. If you're not going to do it, forget about running a business because you need to be accountable, right? And like, if you commit to something, please follow through at least like four or five days a week. And then in that chunk, you're going to reflect, okay, what have I done in the last 24 hours that I could share a story about that relates back to my business. So maybe in your case, you said you love snowmobiling. So you might take that camera, turn it on yourself and tell a story about, you know, why did you decide to take a break in your day and go out snowmobiling? And what were the benefits? And how does that relate back to building wealth in your business and gaining the clarity you need to think about your financial future? And then sign off with like a brief call to action, like either if this resonates with you or if you go snowmobiling to DM me or if you're talking about your product, say like the link in my bio. If you don't have life insurance or if you have no plan like I've just described. So you're always talking about something relevant. It shouldn't take too long because this is your life you're experiencing and talking about. And you'll get better at it over time. Like sometimes you'll sit there and be like, I don't know what I've done in the last 24 hours, but even if it's just talking about I was brewing my coffee this morning and I was listening to this podcast and they said this quote and I loved it. Okay, bye. <laughs> That's it, right? Like we're we're just storytellers and storytelling is the oldest form of marketing. So just tell a story and know that half of your stories are going to suck. That's fine. Um, they're probably not as bad as you think. And then half of them are really going to connect with people. And people will see you, you know, weeks later and be like, you know, when you were on Instagram and you told that story about the little fishing village, I can't stop thinking about that. But what they're actually saying is I can't stop thinking about you and your business. So that leads to referrals. That leads to word of mouth. That leads to them investing more of their money with you. And so there's your marketing strategy in 10 minutes. Oh, I'm gonna, you, you're going to send me an invoice for that. That was good. <laughs> I, uh, so uh, one thing that uh, I, I thought of as you were talking was for listener with staff, is there a way that a listener with staff could leverage their staff to create more content? Or do you have any ideas on like, because I, I, my, my brain is kind of blowing up thinking if I had 20 staff, yeah. which I only have four, but it's like if I had 20, there could be some interesting ideas there and maybe give us some of the things that someone should be careful of. Mm-hmm. 
If you had a staff of 20 and they were all responsible for content creation and like doing this work for you, you are basically creating a reality TV show from your home. And guess what the most popular show in the world is? Keeping up with the Kardashians. So if you can create any version of that in your own little micro marketing strategy, you've got yourself a business that is going to be put in front of so many eyeballs and people who actually they want that type of content, right? So I'm not saying like you should go scale up a full-blown reality television show, but if you have people working for you, then you probably want them to come hang out at your house one or two days a week and be responsible for capturing content or having you sit down and do a couple tutorial videos or going on a walk with you while you talk about why life insurance is so important. Um, Like, just make it interesting. And their responsibility is to create seven short videos from that time with you. And so they come to the table with ideas. They follow you around. But some of the best businesses today have full-time videographers, even if they are a team of like five people, if their business is small. But they're being very smart. They're hiring the videographer to document it all because we are so curious as human beings And then we feel some sort of attachment to the product or service and the rest is history. Yeah, I think of even uh, if you had, you know, I envision, uh, you know, say you had an electrical company or a roof company or even, um, you know, any sort of company where people come to the shop. Yep. And you have, you know, 15 people that all pull up. So before you leave, as you're walking from your truck to the shop, you do a quick video about something or, you know, like something on your business's page so you say to your staff hey before you guys when you walk from the the shop with your lunch bucket or whatever like this and repost it even send it to your mom yeah and so you have this like massive uh engine so thank you thank you for uh breaking down that do you think it's part of someone part of your vision like you mentioned you do you look at the followership you look at the you know, the ethos that you're putting that out to the universe. And so then it works better. Is that, you know, part of the strategy opposed to somebody who says, Hey, I'm not really a very good poster. I'm more of just a closet consumer. Yeah. Who would, who would, who else would even look at this stuff? Uh-huh. Cause I think some people aren't, I know for myself, I'm not a big consumer. Yeah. So I think, well, who would even watch this stuff? So you get this mind, this limiting belief. Yep. So to kind of unpack that limiting belief of like, no, like, do you have stats or do you see it in some of the companies you work with? There is people out there that engage with online content. Yeah, for sure. A couple of things there, because I think a lot of us encounter these parts of our marketing that we're like, I don't even send emails or I don't even read emails. So why would I start sending email newsletters or I don't consume TikTok? So why am I being told I have to get on TikTok? And I think there's definitely something to unpack there because I always think about marketing is energy. Like everything we do, especially as small teams or as businesses that, you know, we're doing a lot of the marketing or our virtual assistant or team members are, everything they do has an energy. And so if we come at our Instagram like, oh, this content's so boring and oh my God, who the hell is going to want to read this? That energy certainly translates to the person who is reading the post or scrolling and catching your content. Same thing if somebody starts a podcast, right? And they don't ever listen to other podcasts. They are not interested in audio content. 
it's likely that they're going to show up to the mic and actually have no idea really what works and what doesn't. And you're going to hear it in their voice, right? If I'm just like talking like this and I don't know, I'm going to talk on the podcast and like there's just no energy there. So you're going to turn it off and it's not going to work in marketing my business. So definitely everything inside of our marketing strategy has an energy. And I do think it's important to create where you consume. So if you don't consume TikTok, don't create there, at least not right now, especially if you have limited resources. But if you're a huge um, consumer of LinkedIn, let's go start posting on LinkedIn because you probably know exactly the type of post that does really, really well. So I, I think it's super important for us to just do a little bit of an audit once in a while of like, what's my energy behind my email marketing? What's my energy behind my Instagram Reels strategy? What's my energy behind my website colors right now? Like everything you're doing, is it low energy and it's probably not producing results? Or are you just like so stoked about this podcast? You want more people to listen. I'm going to hear it in your voice. And you're going to be so excited to promote the show and to share each episode and to crop up the video and talk to all your friends about it when you see them on the weekend. That's going to work pretty well for you. So if we go where the energy is, then my guess is that your marketing wheel will start rolling a lot faster. I love how you uh, you set this segue up. So in the past, as let's call it past 10 years, economy has been pretty good. And you know, for some businesses, social media, eh. I got businesses rolling. Yep. You talk about brand and you talk about marketing and how important a brand is. And I've met, you know, numerous marketing firms and I often just kind of get glossy eyed with brand. It's like, well, how important is the color palette of all my logos? But how important do you think it is for, for our company and for listener who has a company to be thinking about their brand? If the economy maybe slows down, does brand have an impact on someone's business if said economy maybe slows down a bit or the demand for someone's business isn't as sort of free flowing and come, some people are just playing defense because they're so busy. Whereas we easily forget about some other times where we had to maybe fight a bit for the business. So how important is brand if economy slows down a bit? Yeah, brand is definitely important. It's certainly not the thing I focus a ton of energy on when I work with clients because so long as you have something visible for your brand, so you've got some colors, you've got a logo that resonates with your dream clients, you have a website up there, maybe you have like just like a couple different interesting features, like maybe you're always wearing yellow in all of your photos or maybe you use the word like, fun in everything. And we're always like, oh, marketing is fun. Social media is fun. Website. Okay. So Kelsey's all about fun marketing. As long as you have a few key touch points, I think we need to not overemphasize having the perfect brand, especially at the early stages, because what's more important is making your potential customers or clients feel seen and heard. So they're going to see your brand and they're probably going to get a first impression but then they're going to interact with someone on your team or maybe interact with yourself or read a piece of content that you have. And if they feel seen and heard in your presence, they're going to stick around. And oftentimes, branding is not the deciding factor in whether they decide to work with you or not. 
yes, it can be, you know, off-putting for some people or it can be something that some people care about. Like, oh, if you're not really modern, I don't want to work with you. But more often, it's really the energy and the essence that somebody feels in your business. So it kind of goes back to energy again. So I would say instead, like, bring your brand to life through the human interaction and the touch points that you have and make sure that that is dialed in A+. And then when you have a bit of extra cash kicking around, hire an amazing designer, hire an amazing person to redo your website, but don't overemphasize that in the early days. I am sensing a lot of energy from you. And so I would be interested to know what is sort of like your your normal program. Is it some of the old food you used to you know, market <laughs> that you know about that other people don't? But where does the energy come from? Because I think a lot of people want to know that. And I know that I want to know that and I want to stay at the forefront. And again, we we work with people who retire. They're in their business full time, lots of energy, lots of people. Oh, I'm retired. And it's almost like a badge, you know, that they put on their arm and they realize quite quickly it's, it's without intention. It's a low energy environment if you aren't careful. So then they go back to work or start something else. So what are you doing to keep your energy at its peak? Many things. How long do we have to talk about that? <laughs> well, I just think what are the things that you find yeah. you get the most results from that work for you? Yeah. So I'd say first thing, I'm building a business to fit the lifestyle that I want. I've heard many people, many of my mentors actually, who I've hired over the years or learned from or studied under, they were the type of person who showed me that you had to work a 16-hour day in order to be successful. You have to take calls on Sundays in order to be successful. And I did that for many years until I couldn't anymore. And I realized I'm trying to build this business to have the lifestyle of my dreams. And working all the time is not that because I am somebody who loves adventuring. I love community. I love volunteering. I love connecting with people. I love walking with my dog, going on adventures and travels with my husband. And so I started to make this conscious effort to actually scale back my work. And what I had to remind myself was that when I was an employee for another company, it was about putting in time. But the entrepreneurial mindset is I work and I am productive just to the point where I get everything done that I want to do. And then I get to go live my life. So for me, it really comes down to making sure that I am able to weave through adventurous moments into every day because I have that freedom. So I like to start my day with a paddle down the river, or I will start my day by doing a puzzle in my basement or, you know, traveling. I do a lot of just taking off and working from other places. But on a more micro level, I realize that my body is the physical vessel that allows me to bring a business to life. So right now I am still the CEO of my business. I have people that support my vision, but if I am not feeling dialed in, like if I don't feel clear, if I feel unhealthy, if I'm sad, if I'm holding on to grief, if I haven't taken care of myself, there's no point in me opening my laptop because I'm not doing good work. So I would rather work less, but make sure that I am completely in a flow state every time I show up to work. And for any of your listeners who have never read about flow state before, 
it is such a fascinating topic. And I mean, there's many suggestions as to how to get into it. But for me, it comes from a combo of exercise. So I work out every day or move my body. It comes from certain playlists. Like I can put on a Spotify playlist that I've built and I can just like get into an insane work mode. But then on top of that, too, it really comes down for me to what I do and don't put into my body. So I am not perfect. Like I still eat chips at night and, you know, I still love to have a glass of wine or some beers. So I am by no means like the nutrition goddess, but 80 to 90 percent of what I put inside is whole foods, like no sugar, less gluten, less dairy. Like I'm eating real food, lots of protein. Um, I'm using supplements and nootropics that help my brain. I'm taking things that apparently help me to get into a focused state. So I'm finding it very fascinating to actually study what can I do to be so dialed in that I can actually work less because I get so much done in an hour, more so than most people get done in an entire month. So it's like such a fascinating topic. And I'm always curious to learn more. But, you know, I'm just on a journey like everybody else and trying to keep my energy at its very best. Um, But obviously, it's not it's not perfect every day. Do you ever find supplements only because I I would call myself a user as well that there's it's like, where does it end? (laughs) And my wife and I, you know, she says, oh, I'm taking this stuff and it's whatever. And I'll say, well, you can take that forever. Yep. And she's like, well, no, it makes me feel better. So, and, but she's like, I haven't thought of that, but I do this. She has the same to me. You know, it's, I'm a CrossFitter. You know, there's certain things we take for certain whatever reasons. And you just go, well, do I take this forever? You know, does this offset this and how much is in my head? Is there anything that you learned at those other nutrition companies where, you know, I wouldn't say it's like an aha, but it's like, if it's a real natural, like if you use Vega, is it, and I guess you can't talk about anything that's proprietary, but is, is there, is there anything you learned from those places that is like, you know, a wow moment when it comes to health and nutrition mm-hmm. that you can talk about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from what I learned, like there is research to back up everything, right? So the protein powders that I was selling, the supplements I was selling, were they good? Yes. Were they the secret to life? Definitely not. But of course, there's research to back up anything. Like you could look at the panel on any supplement and it says increases mood, helps with concentration, boosts energy. Like these are really vague terms. And, you know, if that's how you feel when you take them, great. Uh, So often I do think there is a huge placebo effect. Like when I take my um, I take like non-medicinal mushrooms I take them for focus. And when I take them, you better believe I am getting into a great work state. Do I think it's the mushrooms or just me responding to the placebo effect? Probably both. But I know for me, it's not harmful. And I do think it helps. But yeah, I mean, supplements are an industry of business, just like you and I run. Like we're always looking for clients and to retain our clients. Supplements are such a a lucrative business to get into because you put people on subscription services and there is no end point. So I would say, you know, buyer beware. <laughs> my wife and I just debated my uh, AG1 yeah. uh, that I take, which is like, 
expensive and you go, well, when do I stop I know, this? Because, you know, the, the probiotics, you know, help me better gut flora and, you know, the, the vitamins would be equally as expensive, but they wouldn't be. And so then, you know, uh, when's the end? And so I think that's, that's important, but you mentioned something that, that I, just because we have time and I'm, I'm excited about this topic like you are, is that, you know, you said, well, they, they're not harmful to me. And so, you know, research, it's all research. The creatine I take, I read the label, it says five grams. I take it, I say it's not harmful because there's studies that say, but do we really know? And, you know, so th- there's, there is an end point of like, we make decisions every day. When you drive your car and you're a little bit late, you might speed. Yeah. You know, so that's a decision you make. So is there anything you, you think about that in, in sort of your nutrition journey? Because health is wealth. And, you know, is there anything that you use as sort of like key decision, like key values to your your health or the, your, you're more specific to nutrition? Because it is a big part of our love health. Love, love, love. Yeah, I, you know, I will say I used to be very restrictive and had hard and fast rules around what I could eat, what I couldn't, tracking everything. I found for me that having my brain being crowded out with these intense rules around picking up a piece of bread, just it was too much. Like I had brain fatigue at the end of each day just because I was trying to be so controlling. So for me, the hard and fast rule is generally like Sunday through Thursday, I am on a very specific like I I just eat eggs for breakfast. I have a green smoothie for lunch and I eat protein and vegetables for dinner. Really easy, brainless. Friday and Saturday, I just do whatever I want. I go out with friends. We go to the comedy club. We hang out in somebody's backyard. We socialize. And that comes with just like the freedom to enjoy. So I don't necessarily have, um, you know, rules around it. But I also just I believe in balance for every area of life for business. And that's kind of the approach that I've taken to stay sane and to give myself permission to also like indulge in life. Right. Because what's the point if we're not having fun? 100%. 100%. I think you summed that up great. I think that's a great bookend. Is there anything that you are most excited about right now? Maybe it's something that you are coaching clients on and it seems to be a regular breakthrough that you want to share with listener today. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, the fact that we're recording a podcast right now, I would say that I'm most excited about the podcast that I host and release every single week. We're in season 11, year five right now. And I feel like our guests just keep getting better and better and better. And like you and I were discussing before we hit record, it's like free access to the most intelligent, brilliant humans on planet Earth. And so I get to share really inspiring conversations from Canadian entrepreneurs mostly every single week, and they share their blueprint to success. And so Uh, I'm always just so excited to release those episodes and to allow people to also get to know me better through the solo episodes. And yeah, I just I love showing up on that platform and just letting people access information for free. And then if they want to take that next step with me, then, you know, we can always go there, too. But a lot of what I share is just for everyone to be able to access what they need to live their most visionary life, to start the business, to take that next leap and to truly tap into 
what brings them joy and what's going to make their life exponentially better. Kelsey Rydell, thank you uh, for being on the show. Where can people find you? Include the podcast and uh, your website as well. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for hosting today. And if people want to connect, they can find me mostly on Instagram at Kelsey Rydell, my website, KelseyRydell.com. And the podcast is called Visionary Life. Thanks a lot, Kelsey. Talk to you later. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please like and rate the show, share with a friend, or use your new knowledge in your next conversation. If during the show something gave you a pang of inspiration, motivation, or sense of uncertainty, act on it now. Get the clarity you're looking for. Find the permission you seek. Go to servicewealth.com to discover how others are learning how to take Fridays off, or buying a recreation property, or spending more money. If you're an organizer of an event where you believe my philosophy on finance and lifestyle design would be applicable, Go to servicewealth.com and book me as a speaker at your next event. If you want a copy of our new book coming out soon, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and we will be sure to get you a first copy. 